Amen. Well, good morning. How's everybody? If you're here, you better be good. <laughs> I got an itchy throat. What are you doing here? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think I just snorted. <laughs> it's going to be a fun one, I think. I hope. I hope it ministers to you today. On your note sheet, it says, Power of One, it says, Boaz, because our sermon series is Power of One, but it's the story of Ruth. And to kind of set the stage at least a little bit, to, I had to pick one. I couldn't pick Ruth and Boaz. I'm not going to talk about Boaz much, not till the end of our time, because Ruth is the hero all the way through the story, and then at the end we see Boaz do something pretty amazing. Last week we talked about Esther, and the book of Esther, it has this unique quality that God is not mentioned at all in the entire story of Esther. But his fingerprints are all over it. Where we left it off last week was, what are you doing in your life? How are you living your life in such a way that God's fingerprints are all over your attitude, your countenance, your work, the way you treat your neighbors and family members and friends? So I think there's a pendulum that may swing too far in people's lives that they talk about God all the time and don't live like they serve Him. That's called what? Hypocrisy. So sometimes it's a reminder for us, which last week was, that we've got to live it in order to have the, hear me, right to talk about it. Does that make sense? Because, you know, one of the greatest enemies of the church today is hypocrites within the body that act one way, one way from 1030 to noon and then go out all week and live like they have no relationship with Jesus at all. Who in the world wants to follow that God? A God that doesn't change a life. You see, I serve a God that changes a life from the inside out. And it's a process, so don't feel like you got to be perfect walking right out of here. It's a process. I often ask myself this question, am I closer to Jesus today than I was a week from today, a week ago? And if the answer is no, then what can we do different? If the answer is yes, then stay on that path. I believe our life here on earth, our privilege in this life is to get as close as we can in relationship to Jesus as possible. And that is a process of removing obstacles that stand in between us and Him. We look at the story of Ruth, and it's really the story of redemption. It's a story of salvation. It's, it's so much imagery and so much 
a, a lifelong illustration of who Jesus is for you and I today. Bow your heads with me. Let's pray before we get into it. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity we have to come before you. I pray that your word would speak to us today. Help me to bring our attention to the things that you want us to see. In Jesus' name, amen. The story of Ruth is a tragedy in the beginning. Everybody loves a happy ending, but how many of you guys understand that there are a lot of situations that don't end up with a happy ending, right? But can I tell you, walking with Jesus and serving Him, then everyone that calls Jesus their Lord and Savior is looking forward to a happy ending, being with Him in glory one day. Some of us find ourselves in such tragedy and hurt and pain on the way there. It's discouraging. So let's start with the story of Ruth in chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. If this is your first time with us at Greater Life Church, we like to use the Bible in our sermons. It will come on the screen. Sorry. We laugh, too. We like to have fun, so. Ruth chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, it says, In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land, so a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab. Taking his wife and two sons with him, the man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilon. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. That statement, they settled there, jumped out at me. Because not only did they leave the land that they were called to be in, they left the land in the, in the time of the judges because the judgment of God would come and go as Israel would turn toward idols. And so they left during one of these times where there was a famine in the land, and that's understandable. But when they got to Moab, they settled there. And what jumped out at me is that so many of us have found ourselves in a place in our spiritual walk that we've settled. I've got enough of Jesus to make it in to heaven. <laughs> All I need to do is, is just, just get in there. You see, but the process of you settling with your spiritual walk is there may be people that God is calling you to that are missing out. When you settle, you miss kingdom opportunities and work that God is calling you to. Let me tell you what settling looks like. Settling looks like coming to church on Sunday and not thinking about Jesus through the week. I've done, I've done my part. I've come to church on Sunday. And that's awesome. I want you to come to church on Sunday. Don't get me wrong. But what I want you to do is to internalize this thing called salvation, called relationship, called your walk with Christ. 
You see, they went to a foreign land, not just a foreign land, but an evil land, and they settled. And can I tell you, it is evil. It is against God's plan for your life to settle and to stop short of where he's calling you to go. Partial obedience is disobedience. Lord, I've, I've obeyed you and I've, and I've served you for these 30 years of my life. I'm 30. That's why I'm using that as an example. I'm my own worst enemy with my train of thought sometimes. <laughs> I'm sorry to do this. I got, I'm sorry. I got to get back on track mentally. I'm just, I thought that was a good one. We, I don't want Greater Life Church to ever be in a position where we look around and say, okay, we're here. Because <laughs> as soon as we say, okay, we're here, then we're done reaching the lost. Amen. I want us to look around and say, God's got more for us to do. Until we hear the trumpet call, until we see Jesus return for his church and bring us home, until we are done, done, we're not done. Amen? Elimelech led his family to settle. Moises and I have talked on occasion about Sundays and how we approach it. Pastor Moises, and we've talked about Father's Day and how Father's Day typically is this message where the poor dads don't want to come to church because all we're going to do is fuss at them for being bad dads. And so we didn't do that this past year. We saw people saved that hadn't been to church in a long time because they were like, what, you're not fussing at dads today? This is awesome. But at the end of the day, men which the Bible says that there's a difference between men and women. Huh? There's, there's a unique quality. There's a unique purpose. There's a unique calling in every man and in every woman. And it's different from the other. Men don't be like Elimelech. To get up when times get going are a challenge and go and settle in an evil place. You with me? Now, like I said, this is a story of redemption. Had Elimelech never done that, then God couldn't have shown up and done an incredible thing in the life of Ruth and Boaz and, and on and on we'll go. What happened? Verse 3, then Elimelech died. He settled and he died. And Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a name, uh, one named Orpah, not Oprah, Orpah, and the other named Ruth. But about 10 years later, both Melon and Kilion died. Then Naomi, th this left Naomi alone without her two sons and without her husband. That's a tragedy. We're going to the land where there's food. We're settling there. And then my husband and my two sons die. Famine struck the land. The family was desperate to find bread for themselves, but they found it in another country, an evil place. 
Elimelech dies. The sons die. They leave Naomi left alone with these two daughters-in-law. The story begins in heartache, loss, confusion, disillusionment. How many of you guys have felt disillusioned in the past couple of years? It's been proven scientifically it's a lingering symptom of COVID-19. It's called brain fog. It hit me the other day. I was like, why can't I remember the words that I want to say? Brain fog. Disillusionment. Can you imagine being in Naomi's place where now she was not just alone from her husband and her two sons, but she didn't know what was going to happen next. In verse 14, we see Ruth and Orpah making a decision. Let's read on. I don't think this is on the screen, but I'm going to keep reading here. Verse 6. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. We need to be leaning in to hear the voice of God no matter where we are in our current situation. I want you to see this because this jumped out at me this morning. I know it's good because it jumped out at me this morning. It didn't hit me until this morning. I want you to see that in the land where you ain't supposed to be anyway, the voice of God can still reach you. And he's calling you back to him. Come on. While she was in the land of Moab, she heard the Lord blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. It was a new day in the land of God. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland with her two daughters-in-law. She set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. Some of us need to adjust the road we find ourselves on today and make sure that our sights are set on him, on the God of the universe. We're so distracted by how it is in this land or, oh, this disease and, 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 and this mandate and, and, and this issue and this problem and, and inflation and all of these things. Let's set our eyes on Jesus who does not change. And please don't set your eyes on this guy. Like I told you last week, I had a hard week. I had a better week this week. But I might be up here next week telling you I had a hard week. You know what? I'm human. And that reminds me that God allows me to serve him. <laughs> Amen? Amen? And he will allow you to do the same thing, to serve him. We find her hearing that God was blessing Judah. And then it says in verse 8, but on the way, Naomi said to her two, her two daughters-in-law, go back to your mother's homes and may the Lord reward you and your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. And then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you and your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? Now, in those days, the law, the tradition was that, that Naomi 
could give birth, and then that son, or she had another son, would marry the widow to carry on that family name of their brother. That's how it works. That's why she's saying that. In other words, she's saying, there's no hope for you to find another way with me. And I realize that. And even if it were possible, she says, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? You, would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And again, they wept together and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. I picture this scene and I picture Naomi and, and Orpah, who they love Naomi. They've been with her for, for 10 years. They were married to these sons and, and they were all a family for 10 years together in the land of Moab. And I picture this scene where they're clinging to Naomi and crying and saying, no, we want to go with you. And, and, and Naomi's saying, no, we, uh, I mean, Ruth is saying, no, we want to go with you. And, and Orpah's saying, yeah, yeah, me too. I, yeah, I, I want to go with you maybe. I mean, you guys know you can see gen genuineness in, in people, right? Yeah, me too. As she's backing away. So Orpah leaves. And Ruth presses on. In verse 14. And it says, and again, they wept together and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Can I tell you that God is looking for people today that will not be so wishy-washy. <laughs> and even in church life, I'm going to go over here because I like this piece. I'm, next week, I'm going to go over here because I like that thing. They have nicer seats in this church. Whatever the case may be, guys, if you're called to greater life, then be at greater life. Amen? It's hard to know what to do when you don't know who's on the team. Why is he saying that? I don't know. Just saying it. In verse 14, we see Ruth and Orban making these decisions. I believe there's a now word for the church today, and here's what it is. Orpah chose to go back to her old life and her old gods. The god of Moab was a god named Chemosh. It means destroyer. It was a false god who required human sacrifices. One of the most detestable gods of ancient days. And after 10 years of being in the house of Naomi and Elimelech and their sons, after 10 years of learning about the God of the Bible, the God of Israel, she decided, I want to go back to my land and to my gods. Ruth said, I do not want to go back to the land, to the family, or even to those gods. I'm going to serve your God. I believe something has been lost during the past couple of years in church life. I understand it. I believe it. I know it. We were just talking about it the other day. As we're calling around to businesses to see if they're open because there's, 
snow on the ground. And as we found out that there were businesses that were being closed, sure, schools close all the time, but businesses closing, and then church had to close last week. I remember back in the day, didn't matter. Which, by the way, I, I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't have closed. We should have closed because it was unsafe. But I believe there is a more relaxed response to even the way we approach worship. Churches are hungry and praying and even seeking, God, would you please just make it like it was? <laughs> Can I tell you that God does not want to make it like it was? God is not a God of yesterday. He is a God of tomorrow. He is a God that looks forward in the timeline. He is not looking back and say, oh, if we could just go back to pre-COVID numbers or pre-COVID worship or pre-COVID church. Forget about that. I believe that God has called us to greater things. So if he needs to shake up some people and let him do it, God, do it today. Orpah went back. Why? Because it was comfortable, familiar. I think of the disciples that were called to follow Jesus as they were fishing, doing what was familiar and comfortable. Hey, follow me. Yeah, let's go. They could have stayed, right? God is calling you to a new thing, a new anointing, a fresh outpouring. But the choice is ours. If we settle for what we're used to and what we used to have, we're going to miss what God wants to do today. The story of Ruth is a picture of redemption. It's a redemption we find in Christ. Number one on your note sheets. Redemption begins when we surrender. Redemption begins when we Surrender. You cannot have new life if you don't give up your old life. The first step of becoming a believer in Jesus Christ is to make him Lord and Savior of your life, to make him in charge. Friend, you cannot say, Lord, save me from hell and not give him the reins of your life. It's his calling, it's our purpose to let him be in charge, to be the Lord, not just the Savior of our life. Redemption begins when we surrender. In chapter 2, verse 11, it says, as Ruth goes on and moves back with Naomi, she finds herself working in a field owned by a man named Boaz, who we'll talk about in just a moment. But here he says in verse 11, Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. Redemption begins when, you, when we surrender. Ruth had to let go of her past in order to grab a hold of what God was calling her to. Boaz knew what Ruth had given up, and he acknowledged her for that. She has surrendered everything, unlike Orpah who went back. She has surrendered everything to live basically like a vagabond with her mother-in-law. 
Ruth surrendered her past. Ruth surrendered her comfort. Moab was comfortable for her. She knew the roads. She knew the good restaurants. She knew the people. She knew the language. It was comfortable for her. But God had not called Ruth to be comfortable. He called her to be obedient. She acknowledged it. She recognized it. She walked in it. Catch this. Ruth refused to believe that Moab was as good as it gets. <laughs> so many of us have found ourselves regulated to the place where we finally say, this must be as good as it gets. In our workplace, in our marriages, in our relationships, in our church life, in our spiritual walk, can I tell you it's time to refuse to accept that it's as good as it gets because God's called us to life in abundance, to greater life, amen? And the first step is us looking around and saying, God, I know that you're calling me to greater things. God, I know that I'm not placed here on this earth just to wake up and go to bed and live day by day and not do anything great for the kingdom of God. We are all called. We are all called to something greater. Ruth surrendered her comfort. Ruth surrendered her good to chase God's great. What decisions do you make today and every day to say, God, I want to I give you everything. I want to surrender my, my settling with it attitude, my as good as it gets attitude. In the power of one, we see that Ruth's decision in faith, she didn't know what was around the corner. She made a decision in faith, and God, we're going to see, brought incredible blessing. Number two, relationship develops when we stay. Relationship develops when we stay. Chapter 2, verse 22 says this, We go through, uh, let, me, let me catch you up with the story. We go through, she's gleaning in the fields of Boaz, who is a, a distant family member. She's gleaning in the fields of Boaz, and she's, she's doing okay. She's getting grain that's left over. There's so many sermons through here. She comes home. Naomi's excited, says, go back there every day. And in verse 22 says, Naomi exclaimed, do as he said, my daughter, stay with, this, stay with his young women who are also in the fields, right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. <laughs> I love it. Boaz says, in the verse we just read, may the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. Naomi said, stay in that field. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. There is safety in Jesus. Even in the middle of junk, in the middle of struggle, in the middle of questions, in the middle of doubt, in the middle of anxiety and hurt and pain, there is safety in Jesus. I was, I was literally praying with someone this morning before service. 
And as I was praying, the Lord reminded me of something because I was praying, Lord, Lord, let them worry. Don't let them be, uh, uh, you know, worried about the situation and, and take anxiety away and God do great and mighty things and, and give them peace that passes understanding. I'm praying all these things. And, and, and it's like the Holy Spirit stopped and reminded me of something. Because what we say sometimes in Pentecostal circles especially is, is, is don't you say those bad things because they'll happen. <laughs> don't you say you're sick because then you're sick. I am sick. <laughs> what do you mean? And it dawned on me that Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane sweat blood because he had anxiety about what was to come. <gasps> it's in the Bible. We do the studies. We've done these big ex exponential studies of what causes somebody to sweat blood. Stress. Stress. Raise your hand if you've been stressed in the past two years. Jesus has been there. You know how he dealt with it? Father, not my will. <laughs> but yours be done. The scripture tells us in that very moment, as soon as that prayer was prayed, that ministering angels were sent to him. Then he was taken to the cross. Yeah, everything that was ahead of him, it was, it was reality. It was not going to be good. He knows where you're at in your lowest moments. He knows when you feel alone and when you feel worried and when you feel helpless because he's been there. He knows when you feel deserted. But he's still calling you to trust him. Relationship develops when we stay. Ruth stayed. Consistency, loyalty, faithfulness is evident in the life of Ruth. She found a safe place and she stayed there. So many of us have this approach maybe to Jesus or so many believers nowadays have this approach maybe to Jesus that, and even preachers will say that, that there'll be no problems if you follow Christ. And then people follow Christ for six months and they're still got problems in their life. Like, wait a second. I had problems before. But the difference before is you didn't have Jesus to lean on. Because she stayed under Boaz's watchful eye. She was protected and she was blessed. It is the trust that, got, that Ruth gave to Boaz to take care of her. It is the trust that God put in Boaz to take care of Ruth as well. So many times in this world we find people distant and running from God and then cursing him when things go wrong. It ain't God's fault. It's a prayer I often pray when tragedy strikes with someone within the church or someone that I know is a believer. Lord, please, this moment, may they run towards you, not away from you. Our relationship with Jesus is developed when we stay close to him. Being intentional about time spent with our Lord and Savior how we see his goodness and how he shows his favor and protection towards us. We cannot be under his wings if we're out in some other field. 
Number three, reward. Now, I don't have time to get into all of the nuances and all of the culture and all of the things about the story of Ruth. There's a lot there, a lot to unpack. But Boaz in this story is called a kinsman redeemer. A kinsman redeemer in its simplest form is someone who's related, a distant relative who comes in and swoops in and redeems the situation, the person. So in this case, Boaz, there was a widow in Ruth and he was able to redeem her, marry her, take up the responsibility to take care of her. And he did just that. And in Ruth chapter 2 verse 12 it says, May the Lord God of Israel, we've already read it, under whose wings you have come, take refuge. But the important part I want you to see, reward you fully for what you have done. What is the reward for, for Ruth? The reward for Ruth is that she was now placed in the lineage of Christ. In Ruth chapter 4, the band is coming. In Ruth chapter 4, the last thing in the story of Ruth is the lineage the genealogical record of Jesus. I mean, the genealogical record of Ruth. It takes us all the way to David, King David, who we know Jesus is born in the line of David. The reward is now Ruth was placed in the lineage of Christ. There was blessing, there was wealth. Now she was taken care of for her entire life. Which brings me to the kinsman redeemer. To Boaz, the power of one. We talk about Ruth and how awesome and amazing, and we've, we've learned that she was a very committed person, a very obedient to the Lord person. She was thinking about Naomi before herself. She was able to put in the work, and, and Ruth is awesome. So what of Boaz? Boaz, in verse, chapter 3, verse 10, says this to Ruth. And she comes to him and goes through this ceremony of sorts of asking him to cover her, to redeem her. He says to her, The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before. For you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Ruth again chooses to be obedient to God, to go through the process. Here's where Boaz comes in. He didn't have to redeem her. But he was a man who was willing to do what a man was called by God to do. Hear me, somebody. Men, let's get back to being men who are obedient to do what God has called us to do. We cannot stay at home and not serve the Lord and expect our families to do it. One of the most, and this isn't supposed to be a sermon pointed at men, but I'm telling you, in order for the church of God to arise, men of God have to. In order for the church of God to make an in impact, men of God got to start making an impact. It's all too often that we go to recruiting people for ministry and men say, I can't. My wife can. 
Can I be honest? This preacher's a little tired of that. We believe in women in ministry. Elaine's up here bringing, bringing the heat. We believe in that. We believe in Ruth's. I'm preaching on Ruth. But Boaz's have to step up. Amen? It's God's design for us to lead our families spiritually. And for far too long, we've just... Let me step back. I'm telling you right now that if men will get a hold of this truth today and that the power of one partnered with the Lord Jesus will start seeing change in greater ways than we've ever seen before. The devil's attack, the devil's attack upon our society is the attack on the family and it's the attack on gender. Twenty years ago, we used to say, here's what's coming. Here's the attack that's coming. Pay attention to these things. And now you can't get away from it. But my God is bigger. There's an old song that used to be sung by the Veggie Tales. <laughs> God is bigger than the boogeyman. Let me tell you right now, the boogeyman don't stand a chance when the men of God will stand up and do what they're called to do. Amen? Amen. Ladies, keep doing it. Men, let's start.